0: Uh, you good? All right. Here we go. Steve. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Mission Story Slam podcast, brought to you by PWP Video. I'm Michael Schweisheimer, the executive producer at PWP Video and Mission Story Slam. We started Mission Story Slam to share the stories of the organizations that we serve at PWP Video. Those include nonprofits, B corporations, triple bottom line companies, and sustainable organizations. People on a mission to make the world a better place. We gather at Yards Brewing in Philadelphia and pick the names of 10 storytellers out of a hat, and they compete for a $250 donation to their favorite nonprofit. The audience also selects a favorite story for another $100 donation. We videotape their stories for sharing on social media and with friends and supporters. So this podcast is about the story behind those stories. What motivates someone to tell a story in front of an audience? How did they choose a story they were going to tell? And what was the experience like? And we get to learn about the storytellers themselves. We just had Mission Story Slam 3 during Earth Week, and we had an environmental theme of saving us from ourselves. Our guest today hogged all the prizes. She was our first to be both the judges first place winner, as well as the audience award winner. Kelly Offner is the executive director of Keep Philadelphia Beautiful, which supports the growth of healthy, vibrant neighborhoods through educational programming, community partnerships, and environmental stewardship. She was also a judge at Mission Story Slam 2, which might have been helpful in preparing. I first met Kelly when she was director of cleanups at United by Blue. United by Blue is a Philadelphia-based B Corp that creates responsibly made clothing and accessories. For every product they sell they commit to removing one pound of trash from the world's oceans and waterways and Kelly had to find all of those pounds and make that happen. The more successful UBB became, the bigger the logistical challenge and Kelly always made her goals. She's just that amazing. So Kelly's story was about organizing one of those cleanups. Let's give it a listen.
1: I'm gonna tell you about a time before my current job and about December, I left a company called United by Blue, where I organized waterway cleanups across the country. And um, organizing a dump site cleanup is a lot like being a crime scene investigator. You are furiously looking at maps and looking at your phone and looking out the window as you drive down random dirt roads in the middle of nowhere, trying to find trash. And I look for tire tracks. Maybe someone pulled off and dumped some trash down here, or maybe my nose is leading me to the smell of trash. Um, But in October of 2016, I was looking for tires, thousands of tires, um, in Katanning, Pennsylvania, which is Western PA north of Pittsburgh. And in looking for the tires, I missed some of the breadcrumbs that lead to the end of my story. Um, It was a shock to see signs peppered around the area that there was natural gas lines everywhere underneath of the ground. Um, more interesting were all the Trump 2016 signs that were on the lawn in pretty much every property that I passed looking for this dump site. So as you can imagine, I had a lot of assumptions about what I was headed into and who I'd be working with if we decided to clean the site. So. Fast forward, I'm at the end of the street that I tirelessly looked for after five hours of driving from Philly to get there. I walk up a long narrow road and I hear the creek and I don't see a creek. What I see is a nest of thousands of tires about 15 feet high and at least 10 to 15 feet wide in this creek bed as far as my eye can see. And like any good CSI person, I grab my phone, I open up my video, and I start recording to get evidence. And then also, in case I disappear, at least maybe there's like a track record that someone can find me. And um, as I'm videoing intently, I hear this like snap of like twigs, and I look over, and there's this beautiful stag. It's right before um, the end of hunting season, and the stag is staring down into the creek, into the tires, and I thought, this is terrible, I feel responsible, and I say I'm sorry to the deer, and of course it runs off because it's a deer, and I scared the shit out of it. Um, But at that point, I decided I need to get back to my hotel room and figure out what I'm gonna do. So fast forward, I get in touch with the landowner, uh, whose name I'm gonna leave out of this because I'm sure that they would want their name left out of it, who had purchased this property to save it from the person that was dumping on it for decades. The property belonged to his father before that and um, they had been trying to work to get it cleaned up with the state agency who also leave unnamed for over a decade and unfortunately we're told the resources weren't available. So we seemed kind of like the last hope and they had no reason to trust us. I was from Philly, I had a Philly accent. They were from Catanning, Pennsylvania and had come up in, when coal and um, natural gas gave money to everyone in their town. And this was when Obama was still in office. And they felt like everything had been taken from them. So um, that's just kind of the backstory there. The lander and I worked for the next month and a half to organize resources. I became a pseudo-construction project manager expert. I figured out what skid steers were, excavators, mini excavators, front loaders, everything that we needed to get these tires out of the creek bed. And then we aligned very interesting resources who I would never have thought we worked with. Churches, folks that were out of work from the coal and oil industries that wanted to come out and operate the machinery for free. Folks that wanted to come and haul all of the tires away. So we got to work in December of 2016, and in frozen conditions, in the snow, we built fires to keep volunteers warm, and we worked for about two weeks to clean up over 9,000 tires from this creek bed, It was about 10 tractor trailers worth. Those tractor trailer drivers also donated their time. And it was just, it took a lot of grit. It took a lot of energy to get people on the same page and to bring people's awareness to a level where they weren't blaming and they were just deciding, we gotta do something about this. Um, This creek happened to drain into the, empty into the Susquehanna River, which is a major drinking water for folks that live in the Pittsburgh area, so that's important. The other thing was the landowner whose children had grown up seeing tires in this creek since they were born and who probably thought they were going to be there when they died. And the landowner was extremely moved to have worked with someone who they didn't know and had no reason to respect. And we formed a lot of respect for one another. The landowner and I and their wife still keep in touch to this day. And um, they were just thrilled to be able to access resources that they've been told were unavailable to them for 10 years or more. I would say that the biggest takeaway for me in terms of saving us from ourselves is that we need to separate folks' ideas from their identities and see people as individuals. I was welcomed into these people's home as a guest, provided a warm meal and a warm bed, a room which incidentally also had deer heads mounted to the walls, so I felt kind of like I was a, you know, abandoning Bambi. Um, and the other piece is that this work takes a lot of work. It takes grit and determination and getting people to work together and um, that's the key to being able to save ourselves from ourselves.
0: All right, Kelly, welcome to the Mission Story Slam podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So glad you're here. So um, how many pounds did you clean up in that final year at UBB?
1: I think in the last year. It was a half a million, 500,000 pounds.
0: Yeah. I remember you telling me at one point, somewhere around, I don't know, maybe this time, like May, and your your eyes were just wide. you're like, I have to find and clean a half a million pounds of trash. <laughs> I felt like Dr. Evil telling people <laughs> <that was my laughs> You know what? Goal. I don't think you actually put your pinky up. I should have. You should have yeah, you done
1: it. <laughs> it felt, I mean, it still sounds crazy like a large number, but their goals continue to grow, um, because it's part of the business model and half a million pounds after the cleanup that I talked about at the story slam didn't feel that scary because that's about how much weight was picked up when all was said and done. But I knew that that site was very special and, um,
0: (laughs) special is one way to describe it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was, um, It was a lot of work, but um, I think my last year there, we traveled far outside of Pennsylvania. Um, So we had expanded to all 48 states, not all 50, and Europe. So um, there was a massive focus on kind of growth that way while also the number of pounds grew. So it was a crazy year.
0: And not to get obsessed with, but I know what is what do 9,000 tires like? A, what kind of weight is that? Do you have any recollection?
1: Mm hmm. Um, <laughs> it's about it's almost 600,000 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I forget. I used to have really nifty comparisons, like it's half of a space shuttle, but I think it's probably something close to that. Um, or if you imagine like a, a one ton dump truck. Um, thousands of them stacked on top of one another. Crazy. Yeah.
0: And all in this one spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a long Creek. It, it extended for a quarter of a mile. Um, and they had been piled up. And in the story, I explained that it was like 15 feet tall, but that's, that's because that's how the Creek bed, that's how deep it was. So, um, when you're walking, you could almost miss it. Um, but, it's only, and it was, there were leaves all over the ground because it was fall. Um, but when you looked actually and saw um, that that black was like just snake tires, and then you kind of like, I remember turning over um, and looking up the creek, and it. I was like, it doesn't stop; it just keeps going. And that's when I took my phone out because I had never seen anything like that before. It was a crazy.
0: do you, I mean, so I know you explained that there was a previous landowner, but like, what? What line of business is some bastard in that stacks 9,000 tires in a creek that feeds a major dr- source of drinking water, mind you? Do you know, do you know that history?
1: Um, I mean, it would it's a junkyard, it's a scrapper, um, somebody that's in the business of accepting auto parts and um, tires for usually a fee, and it's, it's cheaper for um, everybody. Um, And they they knew better. I mean, it was it was a while ago, but it wasn't. um, If you use your common sense, but I don't know that that's necessarily what they default to when you're in that line of business. Um, And unfortunately, um, you know that it took the property going to foreclosure for it to be able to be taken back. Um, Yeah.
0: Is this a site that you found through sleuthing or had someone kind of turned you on to the idea that this might exist?
1: Someone, so um, Keep Pennsylvania Beautiful did a massive illegal dump site. um, I don't want to call them all illegal dump site um, audit from county to county. And when I started working at United by Blue, um, they, they were, and funny enough now, still are, a a great partner. Um, And so I combed through those reports looking for the right tonnage um, because they put estimated tonnage and for sites that were in a waterway. And this site, I remember talking to um, uh, Michelle with Keep Pennsylvania Beautiful and she was like, I don't think it's been cleaned up, but you, I mean, you really got to drive out there and and take a look and see for yourself. And um, I think on the dump, on the report, I don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it said something like 30 to 40 tons. Yeah. So like, great, that's that's a massive site. I think we could do that. And it was just so far beyond that.
0: Great. Two weeks.
1: Yeah. And it was so we weren't, I wasn't physically there for the whole two weeks. The landowner, as soon as the machinery arrived, him and um, some of his neighbors immediately started working the excavators and pulling tires out and putting them on the side of the road so that when we got there and the first tractor trailers got there, they could just load them up and take them out. Um, And there was a lot of work to be done after that. Um, So I know um, I talked to him last month and so they had planted grass and some trees and so there was just that kind of normal greening that you want to encourage after all that crap is taken out. And it sounds like it looks pretty beautiful now. It's in spring.
0: I'm sure you've made some some other deer very happy.
1: I hope so. <laughs> that was definitely, um, I still think about that. That was a very like surreal experience. And I did feel very, I mean, I said this, but I felt really responsible, even though I hadn't dumped them there. I'm like, this is a human issue.
0: Oh, that very now clearly.
1: Is, yeah, clearly.
0: When I think about uh, environmental work, or when I think about like risks to the planet you know I'm thinking about carbon I think about the you know the gyre of plastic Um, when I think about waterway pollution I don't know if I ever really thought about this kind of just basic dumping of cars and tires I mean I know it's out there Mm -hmm. were were you amazed or were your eyes open to the kind of pollution that humans propagate when you started doing this job
1: When I started, no. I had never seen a dump site before, Um, so this was not obviously not my first. Um, It's weird, I think, after I've seen a few, I I actually kind of could anticipate what I would see, um, and so maybe I was less surprised. But I didn't even think that someone would consider a creek or a river a good place to stash a car um, or tires, and that's kind of the most common things that we would see a lot of our larger cleanups. Um, And tires have been an issue in Pennsylvania um, for a while. I mean, I know they've been a a targeted effort from the DEP um, to go after large tire piles and figure out what's going on. Why is Pennsylvania getting dumped on with all these tires? So um, they're not just bad for the for the water because they leach chemicals, but they also help to spread disease um, in the summer. They're a great breeding ground for mosquitoes. So there's all kinds of stuff.
0: I would imagine that you have a very different view of what pollution looks like than someone like me who may be concerned, but not, I haven't gone and done a waterway cleanup. Are there other things that you've seen besides this kind of junkyard dumping?
1: Yeah, tires is definitely the one that is the most common. But there were sites that we walked through that we just couldn't clean up because it was too hazardous. Um, Like there actually would have needed to be someone that came out with the right equipment. You know, those great spacesuits. um, Oh. Because they were not only cars, but also batteries, oil tanks. Um, We found, I mean, outside of just dump site cleanups. I wouldn't consider 10,000 pounds a dump site, which kind of just shows, I think I'm desensitized a little bit, but shopping carts, hundreds of shopping carts. Um, Shopping carts are definitely a weird one, Um, but weird trash is not just, I guess, at a dump site. Um, I feel like it's at the smallest parks is where you find some really interesting, like uh, human artifacts. It's kind of, honestly, trash tells a very interesting story. it's yeah. like a museum.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I know that a lot of archaeological digs of early American sites will focus on the privy because of the trash that they can find and mm-hmm. the story that it tells. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to have humans telling quite this large a story.
1: Yeah, I hope not. I mean, I'm optimistic. It There's definitely way more people. I mean... The term, um, we used to talk about this at United by Blue, like the term single-use plastics when Brian Linton founded it wasn't really like a hot term, and now everyone's talking about it.
0: Which is nice. Which
1: is really nice. There's a lot more awareness. I mean, you have an amazing young man trying to clean up yep. the entire ocean. Um, so there's definitely capital that's being invested. So I think people are paying attention because we only have one Earth, and we all need water.
0: So I did want to ask you, are you... You are, in fact, optimistic. I was, in some ways, I could see that job and the job you're doing now with Keep Philadelphia Beautiful it could have a way of making one really pessimistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely cleaning up the same site over and over again. That hurts a little bit because you know that you've already cleaned it once or twice and that there's reasons um, beyond your control at a cleanup. Um, but I'm optimistic because I'm now able to kind of work on the community level, Um, at least that's what Keep Philadelphia Beautiful does, to focus on some of the systemic issues around why trash is where it is, and you have to stay optimistic, because otherwise the work won't get done.
0: What's different about the work you're doing with Keep Philadelphia Beautiful, or how is it sort of a continuation? Because you built up such an amazing skill set at logistics and crazy accomplishments of massive pounds. How are you using that at uh, Keep Philadelphia Beautiful?
1: A lot of what we had to put together was um, tried and tested ways of reaching volunteers. So where are people going to find opportunities to get involved in their community? Um, and if you're going somewhere rural, like Catanning, um they're not going to a Facebook page. I mean, they're going to their local church or um, it's word of mouth. And so how do you get flyers to that so we, there was a lot of strategies put in place and a lot of what Keep Philadelphia Beautiful does is convening community members to talk about waste, um, to learn about solutions and troubleshoot strategies um, and I think be a bit of a sounding board and, and a community partner. And a lot of the outreach and different communication styles I learned at United by Blue have been and I hope will continue to be helpful in just trying to talk through what's going on.
0: So I want to dive into the part of your story where you talk about learning to interact with very different people than you might normally expect. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm really interested to find out if you, if in working with Keep Philadelphia Beautiful or at UBB, if, if you, there are things that you have been learning from those that you're trying to engage about the work of cleaning up or the work of preventing litter.
1: The takeaway that stands out the most to me right now is to be patient. I think I came from a organization where it was like, this needs to get done within this calendar year, so let's get it done. And I definitely am motivated by a deadline, but I also realized that community work um, is something that you need to be very intentional about and to not expect something to happen overnight because you're not moving trash, you're moving people. Okay. (laughs) Um, So that is definitely something that's different and something I've learned just in the past four months.
0: Moving people is a lot harder. Yeah.
1: It's definitely less about Keep Philadelphia Beautiful coming in and picking up trash and um, more about how do we empower the communities that need the encouragement or just need the tools and the resources um, to tackle the problem on their own because that's a way more sustainable solution than coming in with outsiders and just doing cleanups and not involving the community and figuring out how do you get teenagers um, to stop throwing trash on the ground and take their headphones out and want to talk to you. I don't have an answer to that, so don't say, ask me. But we're figuring that, it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know some people that want to talk to you. <laughs> Pretty much everybody, I think. Yeah.
0: I just want to know, like, as as a fantastic, world-saving person, how what's the next step with keeping Philadelphia beautiful to keep that going?
1: Mm. Thank you for saying that. I, world can't be saved with one person. But I'm going to... I, I said a person. A person.
0: One of many. One of
1: many. It's finding the other world-saving people, um, and I think it's definitely getting um, together the resources that already exist in the city and figuring out how to distribute them equitably um, and figuring out what is the neighborhood or neighborhoods that we can take all of our programming um, with the Philadelphia schools, um, with our litter convenings, with cleanups and micro grants and focus that in one neighborhood at a time, um, and work as a as a partner and a provider. Yeah.
0: And so for our other listeners who would like to be world savers, or what could they expect to do if they reach out to Keep Philadelphia Beautiful and yourself?
1: I would say definitely litter cleanups, um, whether it's ones that we run or um, in partnership with other community groups. Um, we also are always looking for volunteer educators. These are the folks, like the boots on the ground that are going into the schools and teaching kids about litter prevention, recycling education. And I would also say, you know, recycling is very important. Recycling right is really important. Um, So and very hard. It's 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 definitely hard, but I think we should be patient and, you know, tackle it um, one (laughs) one bin at a time. And really that bin is yours. And outside of recycling, cutting down on the amount of waste that you actually have to put in the bin period. Um, So whether that's bringing in composting into your home or just making a effort to buy less stuff, especially plastic stuff.
0: So with all the talking to people, um, I would imagine that storytelling is naturally a big part of this new role
1: for you. Well, it's listening to other folks' stories and also figuring out what part of Keep Philadelphia Beautiful's story resonates with me. um, And that means something. If it pulls you, you should probably follow it. Um, so if um, I tend to, I've realized how much education really is important to me. And I we didn't do much of that at United by Blue, UBB, um, other than at cleanups. Um, and so now we have an incredible program with the school district. And I find myself talking about that a lot. And I'm realizing, OK, this is something that is clearly a path for us to succeed, but also a strength that we need to um, really highlight as we're figuring out where we're going to go in the future.
0: So it sounds like you're picking out parts of the story that you like Mm -hmm. at Keep Philadelphia Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I really loved your story, which is a good thing considering that you won all over the place. (laughs) Had you ever done a story slam before Mission Story Slam or, or attended one?
1: Well, I attended the past story slams as a judge and then just as a Audience Excited member. audience member. Um, but I've never done a story slam, no. This is my first.
0: Did not come off that way. So I'm, how did how did you prepare? I mean, clearly you, mm. you had seen it, so you knew it was up. You had judged it, so you knew how mm-hmm. that was going to work. But how did you actually prepare for the story itself?
1: I figured that if I knew at least the first sentence that I was going to say and the last sentence that I would hope that I could get to, um, anything that happened in between would be somewhat linked together. So I thought... Holy smokes. <laughs>
0: So you, you came with two sentences. That's no, good. no, I, I definitely like
1: it. thought about... Um, so there's so many pieces of this story that I didn't share. And honestly, I didn't even think I was going to be able to put it together in five minutes. Beer helped, uh, but I definitely tried to pull out what is it that really sticks out as um, an action that could potentially save us from ourselves. I really tried to come back to that um, to just stay on theme. Yeah, um, And to me... After thinking about so many different ways to start the story, I realized what I think about the most when I think about the cleanup was the landowner and my relationship with them. Yeah. And I w- was trying to figure out what is it that's so special about that. And I realized it's just that it's a relationship and it's people working with people, especially someone that was a complete stranger. And then kind of a light bulb went off. And so I f- figured I could start with the, C- the CSI scene. Um <laughs> And the deer, because that also stands out to me. It's exactly how the job feels sometimes. you got a nice
0: deer motif, too, with the uh, deer in the room that you stayed in.
1: Yeah. That was – I have a lot of selfies with that deer. Um, (laughs) 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 um, It was definitely – and it was actually – so it was the last day of hunting season. So when we
0: were – I was kind of – yeah, I was wondering how you knew that it was the end of hunting season. I was like, that doesn't – It was hard to get volunteers.
1: We're like, where is everybody? Uh, it's okay. the end of hunting season. Everyone wants to be out hunting.
0: Yeah, You're not. No one's doing that. Yep. There's... So that's
1: we led with the machines the first couple days because of that.
0: OK. Yeah. What I really enjoyed about the way you tied your story together was the idea of um, being open to listening to other people, the not prejudging. And there's a universality to what you pulled from that experience on a human level that I think really worked for me as a saving us in this really broad sense. Mm-hmm. Was that was that forward in your mind or did that come out in the flow?
1: Um, I think that came out in the flow, but I definitely would say that it was intentional mentioning the signs in the beginning um, because it was something that I had noticed on my site scouts, obviously. And I realized that had I read the signs that way, it would have been a much different story altogether, so I thought it was important to mention that in the beginning and mention that the sign at the end was really just um, the amazing relationship that was created by choosing to look past those signs and figure out who someone is.
0: Well, and I like the fact that you point out that they didn't have any reason to trust you with your Philly accent and your Flyers fandom and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that you're being open to that reality... Is another big part of the lesson because I think it's really easy to forget in our Philly bubbles, thinking that you know everyone hates Trump or you know that we're all on that same like single-use plastic terrible like it's not the same page everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But everyone it sounds like everyone was really dedicated to getting that river cleaned or that creek cleaned up.
1: Definitely, and I mean, I I think that maybe they had assumptions about us and and what we were about, but I never felt. That from them and that that's the other piece of it. I think is um, when you let your guard down, or you know, when they let their guard down. I felt much more safe being more vulnerable and getting to know them and just relaxing. Um, and so it's like a it's a cycle. Um, so if we we continue to come at one another with um, being guarded and defensive, we'll never get to know each other. Yeah. Know?
0: So Kelly Offner, I'm very. Very appreciative of all of the rock star, world-saving work that you do. And I appreciate you taking the time to come in and share your story with us. Thank you for having me, and thanks for putting on a great event. Thanks. You can learn more about Keep Philadelphia Beautiful at keepphiladelphiabeautiful.org. That's the URL until Kelly shortens it, which is a major new goal for her, I hear. So we'll be bringing you more interviews of storytellers from Mission Story Slam in the coming months. And we've just begun planning Mission Story Slam 4 for a Tuesday in September. We're between the 10th or the 24th. If anyone is counter-programming on one of those nights, reach out. Tell Dave Winston or myself so that we don't do that. We are looking for an excuse to choose. We're also looking for sponsors, so if that is of interest to you, you can also contact Dave Winston or myself and uh, give us ideas for themes as well. So far, we're floating around with disaster or disasters. We'll see what happens. I think we're going to go broad. Don't forget, like all podcasts, we definitely benefit from your reviews and from sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues who you think would enjoy what we're doing at Mission Story Slam. And please do follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Mission Story Slam podcast is produced by Dave Winston and brought to you by PWP Video. We are video with a mission. Find us at pwpvideo.com. So we'll be back with another episode in about a month. And until then, I'm Michael Schweisheimer, and I look forward to sharing the next story behind the story with you soon.